This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup. My name is Jack Donnelly and as the intro said, this is Energy Sport's longest running football show with our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion as we take a look at the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider footballing world. As always, I am joined by some of Napier's best and brightest, starting with the weatherman himself, Stuart Garvey. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy how, Monday. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Had a few meetings this morning, got some more meetings later on. But I'm excited for the podcast. In between. Meeting Monday, some would say, for the... Meeting Monday, yeah. There you go. Are we not getting a weather update from, from you this you know, morning? I'm just looking outside right now, and it's it's been sunny, and it's been raining, but right now it's just it's just all cloudy. That's just... all it is at the moment. So it's just it's settled somewhere in the middle. You've had both ends of the yeah. spectrum, and now you're levelling out. Seems to have had everything before midday. Fair enough. I, that, that's just classic Scottish weather, I suppose. Yeah. I'm uh, expecting snow later. <laughs> just as it would decree, you're just almost kind of wrapping up the whole spectrum at that point. Just four just seasons in one day. Classic Scotland. Uh, we're also joined by uh, West Edinburgh's most most lethal left foot, Jamie McIntosh. How are you, mate? Yes, very good. Uh, I won't really give you much of a weather update. There's not really much to say. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty cloudy here, to be honest. It's not a particularly nice morning. But Hearts won. Hibs lost. And ten in a row is officially in the mud, so uh, it's it's very bright for me. So it's, it's a very good Monday, shall we say? <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, finally, we are joined by a man who's most likely nursing a title-inflicted hangover, Mister Taylor Murray. How are you, my friend? You know, nothing can still wipe the smell off my face. It's, I, I, we could actually do a full podcast and that's probably how I feel. Exactly everything that I actually want to say. Like, genuinely, that could be... I've not even wrote an article, but that could literally be an unpacked one of just me just describing my feelings for exactly how I feel, by the way. I'm just... I'm actually just now thinking about it, I'm still shaking a little bit. Like, we were just sure speaking that's just the hangover, off. no? It, mixture, mixture. Mixture, uh, right, aye. It could be... We were speaking off air about... Uh, Jamie was saying he, he basically finds it weird how Rangers fans, you know, have got a... a you know, defining day where I've actually seen stuff that celebrating or, or thinking it's like, oh, that's it one, which I understand because it's been coming for a while. However, I think it's now because it's confirmed and I'm just still shaking. I can't believe it's real. It's, uh, it's, it's everything I hoped for. It's, yeah, I'm actually going to get I'm actually going <laughs> You generally sound like you're, cl- I feel like you're going to no, end up crying at the moment, man. There's, honestly, there's, I, I'm not actually kidding when I say how much that meant, like, I'm, I'm just, yeah, just put it that way. I'm just kind of complacent. Yeah, but that is just everything I wanted and it's happened. Well, I'll tell you Segway what. Segue straight into it then. <laughs> well, we, we will get to that, definitely. But we, we've got something we need to address first because we always do start this show with a big question. We're going to get back to Taylor's own own emotions, I suppose, in, in just a couple of minutes. But this week's big question is going to be about managers because there was a lot of love pouring out on the timeline and in the media for Rangers manager Steven Gerrard and the job he's done at the club over the past three years. 
But apart from Taylor, none of us have seen Steven Gerrard manage our club. But I would say, is it, is it fair to say we're all a, a fan of Steven Gerrard's management, Struan? Jamie, is that is that something we can say or would, would we be a bit more pragmatic about him? I think so. Yeah. I think he's come up, uh, obviously had a, had a very successful career in England. And uh, for me, when Mr Rogers came up and managed the other side in Glasgow, uh, I thought at times he was quite disrespectful of other clubs in Scotland, um, commented on other teams a bit too much, and I think Mr Gerrard carries uh, much more class than, than Mr Rogers, I would have to say. Well, with that in mind, this week's big question is going to be, who is your favourite manager that never managed your club? Now, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot you can pick from here. This could be a fairly broad spectrum. You can say a manager that was managing, a manager that never... That, uh, in management currently, there's a there's a lot of moving parts, but just a manager that you really like that would be up there with the ones that you really admire, but never once graced the dugout of the team you support. And I'm going to start with Struan Garvey because there's a fairly short, there's a fairly wide list considering there's been one unbelievable manager to have managed your club and a few and a few decent ones, but the window's kind of large for you in this question, lad. The unbelievable manager was uh, Louis van Gaal for the list, <laughs> and a couple couple of Scottish ones as well. Um, I really like Antonio Conte. I'm I know his football isn't exactly the most entertaining. I mean, Jack and Jamie, you guys saw it for two full seasons. It's it's effective. It's not it's not the most entertaining, but it's effective. I think I think he's a really good manager. I think at the moment I'd put him in that bracket alongside the likes of Klopp, Guardiola, you know, Zidane, Simeone, whoever you consider to be the top managers in world football at the moment. I'd have him in there. I think it was excellent, you know, invincible with Juventus, 100 point with Juventus. He came into the Premier League with Chelsea at a time where Mourinho, who at the time was still considered good, was at United. Guardiola was at Man City. Wenger was at Arsenal. Pochettino was, like, that was his best season with Tottenham, really. Um, am I missing a man? Klopp was at Liverpool. So, you know, that's that's five incredible managers in the top six. He came in in his first season. He started with what was like a four four two or something like that. Didn't work. Changed to a three four three, and then just went on a great run. Next season, he won the FA Cup. We kind of keep that. That was his England career. Very good. Italy, you know, we did well for the national team. Got him quite far in the Euros, and as I mentioned, Juventus. Now Inter Milan. It looks like he's going to win the league title there again after two seasons. But for nothing else, it's, it's just his passion is absolutely incredible. I think it was. Was it the the goal for um Mitchy Bachiwai against um West Brom in the Premier League where he just starts celebrating and then just runs and just dives into the fans on the side and you know you just you don't always see that sort of reaction from managers you know see the odd knee slide or whatever but it's just he was just one of the most animated just most entertaining managers to watch both in a good and a bad way when things were going well or when things were going bad and yeah I just quite like Antonio Conte I think if he ever was to manage Man United one day I'd be happy with that. I think the one quote that always stands out to me with Conte is, I think in a press conference he was just talking about, we want to make them suffer with with, it, with his style of football. And whether he was talk, whether that was kind of his later Chelsea and he was talking about the fans, that that could very well be the case. But no, Conte, Conte fantastic manager when he's on, but when he's not, it's just very very painful to watch at times. But. He makes David Luiz look like one of the best centre backs in the Premier League. I think that's yeah, that's no small task as well. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, what about yourself for this? Um, Sir Alex, for me, probably. Um, maybe it's the Scottish connection. I don't know, but had a lot of time for for Sir Alex. Um, obviously, was kind of at United when 
I kind of first got into into the into the English kind of side of the game. You know, mm-hmm. Man United were kind of very dominant then. He was obviously at the forefront of that, and yeah, j- you know, I just always always quite liked Sir Alex. I think it was probably a bit of the Scottish connection, but you know, as uh, um, didn't have a lot of time for Manchester United as a team, obviously, but uh, I I certainly did have a lot of uh, lot of admiration and respect for for Sir Alex and everything he's achieved in the game. Lovely stuff, Taylor. How about yourself, mate? Uh, I've got two right. Go I've I've got one that I would have I would have loved to see manage. Uh, my club, and other one I would like to see just sort of sentimental value. Nothing because he's even anything to do with Rangers, just because I love him. So I'll give you just a quick briefing of the one that I'd love just for sentimental. Um, okay. Claudio Ranieri. Ranieri? I, I love that man. Yes, we love him. And I just, I was actual, I just, when he won that league with Leicester, it was just, I just, I don't, I just, I just love him. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, for the sent. in fact, it's just the sentimental value of just him. I'd love him to just be at the club. But one that I'd love just for his style, for uh, his attitude, for, you know, the way he treats the game, his insights would be Anshotty. That man is a beautiful manager on and off the pitch. Like, he's just sensational, especially what he's done with Everton this season. He's, I think he's just amazing and I'd have absolutely love to see him, you know, grace this Scottish game. Would that ever happen? I'm never going to say never because, uh, you know, weird things, but I'm not, it's very, very unlikely. But yeah, he'd be one that'd be up there. See, I've not got that luxury because I, I really do like Ancelotti. I think he's a fantastic manager, but he managed Chelsea for two seasons uh, very successfully and got sacked for finishing second, which was odd, but nevertheless. Uh, I've got two for this one as well. Uh, a former manager that's now retired and is uh, working at FIFA, actually. Uh, Arsene Wenger. I had a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of respect for Arsene Wenger, just what he did, not only for Arsenal, but for English football, the way he kind of came in and started, uh, basically revolutionised kind of nutrition, sports science in his first kind of few years in London. Uh, really, And then every other club around the, around the league kind of took that same approach so I think he was monumental in terms of advancing the English game uh, other than him uh, more current manager I love Simeone I think he's brilliant he's a mad bastard and uh, I think that that's kind of reflected in his team a lot of the times a lot of his kind of style of play the fact he's getting the best out of forwards like he's gotten the best out of forwards rather like Diego Costa and uh, Luis Suarez just kind of speak, speaks to the kind of credit of the man and he has been Sensational for Atletico Madrid. They look like they should be getting a league title come the end of the season, but it's kind of slipped away a little bit in the past few weeks, so we'll need to see whether that does pan out or not. But you you would just love to have Simeone in your dugout. I think he would inject a real steal into a team that might not otherwise have one. So you think of a player, let's say, oh, who's a kind of soft player, you would think? A soft touch. Eh... Maybe someone like Andreas Christensen at Chelsea who's kind of shied away from kind of physical side of the game in seasons past. I think he would inject a real kind of sense of just stability and steel into a player like that and turn him into a better, better player as a result. And he's kind of brought back the legitimacy almost of the four four two in Spain anyway because it's been very, very effective in seasons past. Uh, that is going to wrap up. Big question for this week. And now we're going to take our weekly look at the biggest action from up here in Scotland where 
It might, it might have been some significant, some significant moments. Uh, we'll be back shortly with Chewing the Football. So let's get going with this week's edition of Chewing the Football. And being honest, this is it's going to be a bit of a Rangers-heavy section. I mean, for obvious reasons. After 10 long years that saw the club enter administration and climb back through the lower leagues in Scottish football, Rangers have won their first Premiership title in 10 years, stopping Celtic's chances of winning 10 in a row in the progress. And we'll get on to the kind of actual team <laughs> in a minute, but Taylor, we can't not come to you first about this. I mean, the league seemed a formality from early on this year. But run me through your emotions just when that final whistle was blown at Tannadice yesterday and it was mathematically confirmed that Rangers had won the league. My emotions were um, sheer joy, um, actual disbelief, the fact that it was finally confirmed and then probably the shock settled in, the fact that it was real and then tears. Little just tear. I did cry. I'm not. Did you? I'm not. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Tremendous. it was it's just one way, one way around. I was actual knew it was going to happen. It was pretty evident it was going to happen. But uh, just everything, you know, the club went through. You know, I followed Rangers since I was about six, seven. So uh, it's been brought up where uh, I can vaguely remember. You know. The earlier times, one of my earliest ones is probably in Manchester, that's about it, maybe. Helicopter Sunday, if I put it a push, but, you know, my real, like, actually going to games, remembering it, was probably for, like, 2012, 13, like, onwards, like, that's where I can initially remember. Uh, I can remember the last season in the top flight before everything happened, and going through that was... It's a journey, put it that way. It was a, it was a, it was a very much a journey. Um, I'm... Not many people claim this, you know, you'll have 50,000 people claim this, but I still have the ticket of, I was at Rangers' lowest attendance game of probably the 30 years at the time, you know, versus, I'm pretty sure it was counting beef. That was a very, very dark day, I can remember. It was very eerie, a big stadium like that being as empty as it was. Um, that just kind of summed up exactly what the club was going through. But everything... We went through everything, you know, it happened. Everything, you know, that people, you know, went, watched, seen, you know, felt. It just seemed to have went away yesterday. That's the best way I can say. But like, I remember it, but it was. I'm getting tear again. <laughs> it's just folk, you know, that you've watched football with, you know, you know, that are just not here anymore. Just it's like you just wish it all happened, and it's just one of the ones where. It was like, it was bloody phenomenal just seeing it finally <laughs> happen. It's, it's so stupid because it's like, it's a title, and, you know, most people say, oh, it's just a game, but, you know, when you're actually getting ridiculed by, you know, fans, no ridiculed, that's a harsh word, when you're just getting, you know, bantered by fans or, and, you know, you're having to sit there and just take your medicine, it's just amazing, you know, seeing, a, seeing your club, you know, arguably where you think they should be back to where uh, they are and... Gerard has done a sensational job and I can't actually just, I can't even put it in words exactly the feelings I have for that squad, that man. And as much as I try to remain, you know, biased right now about exactly, you know, Celtic, they weren't the greatest and that, I just, I sit and just, 
I'm just taking this moment as a fan of the club. Like I'm no, I'm just couldn't care less about what Celtic done. You know, yeah, they they screwed it up, but it was all Rangers. Rangers did everything that they wanted, and it is absolutely beautiful the fact that the fifty five is now there, and I'm going to enjoy these next few weeks just lapping this up, and you know, maybe it might die down. Maybe I'll still feel it like at the start of the season, but. This is what this is arguably for me the best title that Rangers have ever won. You done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done. That was class, mate. I enjoy, I enjoyed that. Uh, no, I can see your point about it kind of being the most important title because this is just kind of the change in the times. I suppose you could argue that it's kind of the momentum is kind of tending to swing a wee bit more, and whether that carries on in the next season yet to be seen but for now it's firmly firmly at Ibrooks at the moment but Struan get, just getting up, touching on a couple of things Taylor said there I mean the job that Gerard's done has been absolutely unbelievable I mean the past three years he's really transformed this team into from kind of a squad of players that didn't really have m- much kind of further to go in terms of the kind of their peak of their quality like they were very very rough in the edges they were very inconsistent a lot of the time, and now they've they're unbeaten in the league. They've only conceded nine goals in the Premiership all season. They're sitting in the last sixteen of Europe. It, it's been absolutely fantastic this entire season, hasn't it? Yeah, Jared's done a fantastic job. You know, it really it really is now at this point his team over the three years. And certain players like Tavernier and Morelos who were already there, but you know, a lot of these players have come in and wanted to play for him. And they've just been fantastic. You know, a lot of people have been saying, I think um, Ali McCoy, Stephen, was making the point earlier on that Stephen Gerrard, he gets Rangers, he understands the club. And I think that's true. You know, in the in the dressing room scenes, you know, he was, I'm sure a lot of us have seen them, you know, he was absolutely fantastic in some of them. And this is going to sound like a lighthearted dig from obviously being a United fan, but it is his first ever league title. And you could just see how much that means to him. You know, Ferguson made the point that when he won his first ever league title with United, you know, they could have made him king. You know, that, that was his favourite title he ever won at Man United was the very first one. And I think that that's going to reign true with Stephen Gerrard and a lot of Rangers fans. You know, he was, I think, what was it? His first two years was the first time a manager of Rangers had been there that long and not won a trophy. But I don't think that has any significance now, given what happened here. I think if, you, if you'd if asked the Rangers fan, you know, what would you rather have had a couple of Scottish Cups or stopping 10 in a row going? Like, I, th- I think it's just one thing to consider that. They've stopped 10 in a row whilst also being the best team in Scotland by some distance. Mm. You know, they didn't just win on the last day. They've been, I, th- I think in my opinion, since the first old firm, pretty much the firm favourites for the title. And even in Europe, they're absolutely fantastic. And it's, yeah, it's just such a great team. It's great for Scottish football to see these sort of players because it is changing a lot of people's opinions when they watch Rangers in the Europa League because, oh, it's, it's the Scottish League, you know, Celtic win it constantly. Is there even any competition? And then you see how good Rangers are and you see how good they are in Europe. It's sort of, it's just quite eye-opening to the rest of the world. Europe. No, 100%, mate, 100%. Uh, and Jamie, I think as well, Jared, has, oh, sorry, sorry, just say, Jared brings that English media in. You know, a lot of people down south have been interested because it's Stephen Gerrard, and I think that's brought a lot more fame to him. I mean, you saw Liverpool congratulating them on Twitter. You know, how often has a Premier League team congratulated Celtic, for example, or any other team on winning the Premier League? You know, it's seldom it really happens, but there's been so much more attention down south, you know, even before the Manchester Derby kicked off, they were talking about the Rangers and the Rangers winning the, <laughs> the Rangers game. Sorry, oh my god, the Celtic game <laughs> with Rangers winning the league. And yeah, I think it's just got so much more significance. No, hundred percent. Uh Jamie, obviously your your brother's down the M eight, uh, doing the doing the best job this season, but 
How far do you think this Rangers team can go now? I mean, building up, building on this success. Well, a, a good a good team has a good season, but a great team builds on the successes they have in consecutive seasons. Uh how how do we see them kind of going from here? I mean, still in the last sixteen of Europe, and the, the first leg of that tie is getting played out. Uh this Thursday. Uh the potential add a Scottish Cup to this season, and then whatever happens in seasons to come. What how how do you think this Rangers team will kind of work now? Like, do do you think they can go further than this? Um, I think so. Probably, yeah. Uh, I think Rangers fans will will look back if say Rangers go on and win another couple of titles um, over the next kind of couple of years. I think Rangers fans will still look back at this title and think, "Oh, that was that was the best one." Because you know, again, we we speak about Celtic and how Celtic have been you know rubbish, but this Rangers team has been really good, and I think that's something that. Maybe doesn't get said enough. Um, I, you know, I think Celtic steal a lot of the lot of the attention, but you know this Rangers team has been really good, and the fact they're still unbeaten. Okay, they were beaten in the in the League Cup by Saint Mirren, but I think this is maybe where Rangers have the opportunity now to go on and and prove how good they are, because you know as I say that they were beaten in the League Cup and Celtic haven't really fired at all this season, so. Rangers have kind of walked to the title despite being very good. So I think if Rangers can go on and win the Scottish Cup and maybe get uh, another round into Europe, get past Slavia Prague, um, then you know maybe a, a few more people might sit up and take notice of how good this Rangers team actually is. As for Steven Gerrard, I think you know, you're right, he has done a fantastic job. But there was progress that you could see from quite an early stage in Steven Gerrard's managerial career at Rangers, I thought. There was kind of old firm games where Rangers competed. They didn't always win, but they competed. And it was something that you hadn't really seen from Rangers in old firms. Mm. And I think for a psychological thing, the fact that they had sort of gone out and matched Celtic a few times, maybe hadn't always got the result they wanted, but had gone out and, and kind of matched Celtic, it must have been such a boost on a psychological level for them. Because then it meant that, you know, maybe they realised that they weren't that far behind them anymore. And I think maybe once they got that first kind of old firm win, it was a monkey off the back and, you know, they were able to kind of kick on this season. And, um, you know, as I say, Celtic haven't fired, we know that. But this Rangers team has done very well and it's absolutely battered the whole of Scottish football this season. Um, but if they can go on and win the Scottish Cup, then maybe we'll we'll be able to say that, you know, maybe they were they were up to uh, up to Celtic's quadruple treble. A bit, it's a big claim, but I think I think it's they're they're well within kind of the realms of possibility with that, absolutely. Uh but massive congratulations go out to you know, to Rangers and everyone associated with the club, I suppose. Uh, good it's nice to see a change, but it would have been nicer to see a, a a team other than the old firm win it, let's be honest, because cares about the old firm really, no one. But is that you know that that's <laughs> just I would that you know what actually, that's a good question. When do you think we will see someone other than Celtic or Rangers win the, the top flight Scottish football again. Honest answer? Never. Never? I, never? I, I, not in my lifetime, I don't happen, think. It will happen eventually. It will happen eventually. Oh, yeah. It's got to happen eventually. But it's not, I don't think it's going to happen for a good 20, 30 years, probably, unless somebody I, gets a hell of a lot of money injected into the club. Aye. No, I, I generally do believe in my lifetime I won't see anyone other than. Uh, Rangers or Celtic as much as I'm not going to lie as much as I'd love it by because it would be great you know having more than just two teams you would need something to pummel money and you know you'd need yeah. a better 
he need better probably, you know, broadcasting, you know, sponsors and all that to pour more money into it. See, like, the English game done. And see if that happens, by the way. You're, you're, get, you're balling, you know, you've got your Aberdeen with a fan space there, you know, like, clubs like Hearts, Hibs, you know, it could be <laughs> probably the wrong, you know, description for that, but... <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, what, what I'm meaning is, if your Scottish game got the inheritance into the game from the broadcasting rights, what as English football got, then I could probably see that happening, however... That I never see happening, but that's a nice seagull I hear. I think think for for no other reason, I think financially no other team in Scotland can compete with Celtic or Rangers. Currently, no. And the gap is getting wider. Currently, yeah. The financial gap is getting getting wider. Teams aren't getting closer. They're getting further away. It looked very likely that Hearts could push Celtic one year when they were top. and I think it was after like 15 games. And I thought, could they do this? You know... Don't get me wrong, there could be a Leicester moment in the Scottish football where it's like, I don't know, let's Someone say Peterhead. Peterhead! A Peterhead breaking like, from the bottom way to the top, you know, an absolute sensational couple of years for somehow they do it, but I just don't think, I just, realistically, right here, right now, I can't see any other team other than Rangers or Celtic in my life, anyway. I think you need a Mr. Romanov to come in and uh, inject a hell of a lot of money into, into a club. Um, maybe the City in. group needs to purchase one of the teams. Edinburgh City. There you go. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a tweet about that because their logo is eerily similar. Like it's the exact same makeup and the kind of style that every other logo of a football team uh, that the, the, city, the, city, the City group manage has. It's just a, a bit circular. <laughs> that, that's all it takes to fall under the City group. I don't, I don't know. I, does like the new European competitions and more kind of European exposure because what is it? Next season, Scotland have at least five or five teams in a sort of European competition thanks to this new Conference League. So, is that going to kind of bring about more glitz and glamour, a bit more cash into Scottish football as a whole, or is that just going to kind of widen the gap between Celtic and Rangers more? Because you would imagine they'd be Champions League kind of almost regulars kind of in, in seasons to come, considering how many European places are going to be open. Aberdeen versus Arsenal. I'm all for watching that. I think I think you can make the point as well. A lot of people wanted to see Rangers draw a team in the Europa League to have that Scotland versus England. And it's still a very good possibility, I fancy, Rangers to get through and at least one of the three English teams to get through as well. And I think that would bring a lot of exposure to Scottish football and to really be a tester for it. Right, aye. Aye. Uh- no, it's it's definitely the narrative that a lot of people wanted. I know Taylor, Taylor was it not? You said you wanted Spurs. Sorry, what? In the in the round sixteen for the Europa yeah, League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want Rangers to play an English team. I'd love to see exactly how it compares because I'd love to see the narrative of the English media would spin if Rangers won. But in the same sense, I'd like to just see that battle for neutrals as well. as like essentially a Scottish team, like a big Scottish team such as Rangers Celtic versus an English club. And just exactly see how that could build out, like just because if Rangers won, by the way, say Rangers played Spurs and beat them, what are they going to say that? Are they going to say the fact is, oh, they're lucky on the night, which they may well be, but I can't see the English media giving Rangers too much credit and probably talk about Spurs' downfalls. But I just, I'd love to just you know get that one over over English counterparts for the Scottish league. Yeah, 
Just imagine, just imagine all the all the wee diddies on Twitter that support Hartlepool and Huddersfield, like having a <laughs> having a go at Scottish football, and then having that happen. That 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 would give them that would give another mm. wee kind of strength of the ball, I suppose. Because the classic, we'd win the league if we were in Scotland. <laughs> Make you support Colchester. Shut up. Ah, <sighs> that would be good. But- I, I think that would be good for the Scottish game also. You know, that's another you know tick in the Scottish uh, probably games book of you know not being the deadly league everybody thinks it is. I don't think it, it generally isn't. That's what I can't understand. I mean, in comparison to the Premier League, the Scottish Premiership doesn't have the money, but it's still some cracking football on display sometimes. No, so. we have a laugh. Oh, we have we a have laugh. That's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's move on from Rangers. Uh, let's talk about some other goings on that happened in Scottish football this weekend. Uh, Jamie, you saw. The game that ended Celtic's hopes for a title, however slim they may have been, as they drew nil nil away at Tannadice. Uh, you've been a kind of fa- your kind of favourite saying for this season is that Dundee United steal points and get themselves in a decent position. But considering the kind of performance of the defence and Benji Seagrass putting in the game of his life, making twelve saves against twenty seven shots from Celtic. Would you say United deserved this point, or was it again just a bit of a bit of luck that they had? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, this. I think the stats probably paint a little bit of a false picture. Actually, this time, to be fair to Dungeon United, Benji Seagrass did have a lot of saves to make, but a lot of them were were really pretty poor efforts. Um, long range kind of dribblers along the ground, straight yeah. at him, whatever. He made a few good saves, don't get me wrong, but the majority were fairly comfortable. So I do think the stats paint a little bit of a false picture. Um, I think United deserved a point this time, to be honest. After the first half hour, Celtic were pretty poor. Um, I thought Celtic probably deserved to get an early goal. They had enough chances, but didn't take them. And after about half an hour, I said to my dad that uh, they'll they'll run out of ideas here uh, after they hadn't scored in the first half hour. And they kind of did second half. They weren't anywhere near as good, I didn't think. And um, yeah, United had a few chances of their own towards the end. Celtic were pushing bodies forward and uh, United could have easily sneaked it at the end, which would have kept their top six hopes alive. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be for them, though. Um, but a fully deserved point, I think, on the whole. But I think that just about sums up Celtic season, really. Aye. I'm not sure how many Celtic fans wanted the the kind of opportunity to maybe beat Rangers at, at Parkhead and say, all right, you're going to win the title, but you know, you're not going to win it here. Um, I think I remember a similar game at Ibrox where Rangers beat Celtic, I think 3-0 or 3-1 or something. Um, I think Mr. McCoist was the manager actually then. And uh, I think that's Rangers beat Celtic at Ibrox and it stopped them winning the title or something that, that weekend. Um, so I, I think Celtic could have maybe restored a little bit of pride and a little bit of... Um, Kind of faith, faith's not the right choice of word, but just a little bit more pride maybe in the mm-hmm. in the players and uh, maybe a little bit of something for the supporters to say, ah, you know, okay, you know, we're Celtic, we're we're still caring and we're still fighting for the cause and all that. But I think the the players have really just kind of lost it now, um, and I, you know I don't really know how the old firm is going to go in a couple of weeks time because it is, you know, it is a bit of a non-event. And I guess the main talking point is where whether there'll be a guard of honour or not really. Um, Predictions for that. I'll say no. Odds on no for me. I'll say no. No for me. Aye. Can't see it happening, to be honest. Uh, Taylor, just to to touch on that, how much can it... I suppose we saw the scenes yesterday after... uh, Over the weekend, rather, when Celtic... Our Rangers beat us at minute at home, Celtic drew away, and the league was confirmed. 
would how much how different would it have been had they won the league against Celtic? I I don't see. I feel like for the younger generations, that'd be one of the ones they could lord over. Uh, like the Celtic Sea Pals and Celtic fans that they know, basically. Ah, we managed to win the league at your place. However, going with uh, a lot of people I know that when Rangers done it uh, in 1999, 98, 99 when they won it at Parkhead, um, they still regard that as one of the best like, tight ones they could do because they've done it at their place. You know, the fans all around them basically hurling abuse at them. And, you know, even with that Rangers team there doing a huddle to wind up Celtic fans, that would probably have been one of the ones where an ideal scenario Rangers fans would love because, you know, one at a rifles place, what more is it? But given the circumstances this year, that was just one of the ones where get it done whenever, wherever, and just make sure it's over the line, nothing else. So it would have been, you know, probably the fairy tale ending and probably ironically the perfect ending for Rangers and the worst ending for Celtic, but it's probably, you know, Rangers winning the league. It, arguably, I, I don't know the stats, but I think it's the earliest the league's ever been won in Scotland now, which is insane. But, yeah, that would have been the fairy tale ending, I would have said, if, you know, Rangers done it then. But, hey-ho, the title's won. It doesn't matter when it was won. You know, Celtic probably stump up, take the medicine and give Rangers a good honour, I think. <laughs> Interesting to see whether it happens or not. But oh, yeah, I wouldn't. Ah, uh, what else happened? Uh, Struan. Yeah. Hibs lost again, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yes, uh, another another defeat to a very good St Johnson team. Absolutely, um, yeah. Good form, but um, do you know? Do you know what was significant about this match, in my opinion, is the fact that Aberdeen didn't take advantage yet again. It seems to be. Neither one of Hibs or Aberdeen has been quite a common theme this season. Whenever one of them's dropped points, the other one has just sort of refused to take advantage of it. And it's just sort of just been a really slow and sluggish race to third place. And I, I genuinely believe either Aberdeen or Hibs, you know, we we're talking about could any other team win the league. I think either of them could have caught Celtic at this point in this league, to be honest. You know, at the start, Aberdeen were quite close, you know, sleeping, you know, they were sleeping type situation, you know, everyone's sleeping on the butt. Um, yeah, it's just it's probably just gonna be third and fourth to the two of them again. And even Livingston as well, just as it looked like they were gonna take advantage, they've fallen away and it's just it's just fallen into nothing really. I've, I almost feel like at, until the split now, this sort of the part of the seasons, you, it's just not really sure what's going on for clubs and you know Hibs and Aberdeen's position. We're not gonna be in the bottom half of it, and at the same time, you don't really know if you can climb any higher than you currently are in the table. What do you what do you reckon? Like, kind of heading into the split, you're most likely going to be finishing. You're going to end at the split in third because it would take a miracle for kind of Aberdeen. You get two games to play where Aberdeen only have one, and they're three points behind. So even if you draw one of your two games, you're good. Uh, I think third would be a really good finish for Hibs. Do, honest, I was going to say, do you think you finish there? Like after the, the games in the split have played. It's it's so hard to predict Hibs this season because every time you think, oh yes, they're going on a, on a good bit of a run, you know, they've got a really good chance. They've just fallen away this season. And I think given last season, what was it? Was it sixth in the end after the, the points per game was changed up to then finish third this season, I think is is a massive improvement. And I think will be really important to Jack Ross, especially after the poor run in the League Cup when everybody was calling for him to be sacked. And Hibs went on a great run, two defeats in a row now. But at the same time, as I said, it doesn't really feel like a disaster because Aberdeen haven't taken advantage of that yet and Hibs are still in 
second place and it's almost sometimes you say that the games against the teams at the bottom of the table are harder around this uh, time of the season they're harder than playing the top teams because obviously they're fighting for their lives they're they're giving everything they can and sometimes when you do get beat by these teams you just sort of accept it. I mean you saw it in the Premier League with Fulham at the weekend as well uh, let's head over to Dingwall because Kelly lost again as well I'm trying to say that without smiling but I can tell you're smiling. As well. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery probably didn't grin. help there at all. Uh, yeah, so Kelly are still searching for their first win under Tommy Wright as a loss away at Ross County in a three-two kind of ding-dong battle. It was, it was, I'd imagine a good watch. I wasn't watching it. I was watching the the famous honest men uh, away at Morton, but a wee bit about that in a minute. Uh, they're still searching for the first win. Uh, they're finally bottom. They're sit. They're sitting bottom after uh, Hamilton drew against Aberdeen and took a point and got above them. Both the clubs ahead of Kelly, being Ross County and Hamilton, have an extra game to play before heading into the split. And the last Kelly's last game before the split is at home to Motherwell, who themselves have picked up a decent couple of results in their last couple of games. Taylor, how concerned should those associated be with Kelly be just now? Well, I'm going to have to, you know, turn and ask my associates of the seven holes that are in Sean's wall after, you know, <laughs> after <laughs> that weekend there. Uh, ask how they feel, um, whether they feel uh, is right that they should be sitting bottom. Uh, they should be very concerned, especially, you know, losing arguably the six-pointer, you know, that, that could have been uh, of getting one over Ross County. It's... Very concerned times. I thought Tommy Wright would have done a sturdy job when he came in. I thought he would lift him out of that. But they've just seemed to have sunk lower and lower. And Ross County look like the team on the ascendancy. And as we always say on this podcast, if you're Ryan and Hamilton Aki's in a relegation fight, you're mere or less relegated. So it's going to be very nervous times for Kelly fans. Uh, they'll probably have to go into the split getting, you know, probably two or three wins out of, you know, the games if they want to even have any chance of fighting for that playoff spot or, you know, the tenth spot. It's going to be very nervous times if your name is Sean McGill or a Kelly fan. I wonder if there's a person out there called a Kelly called fan. a Kelly fan. <laughs> <laughs> if your name is a Kelly fan. <laughs> uh, just before we wrap up uh, to the football, Jamie, are we diving into the championship, shall we? Because... Both sure. both our teams won at the weekend. I suppose we'll need we'll need to add we'll need to extend this section because the League One and League Two will be back soon as well. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, so that's gonna be that, good. This, this that, that means the podcasts are gonna be even longer. Oh great. <laughs> uh I started Tyne Castle then. Um I go Hearts on, kind of fell over the line against Dundee. Uh massive win though for the for the Jambos. Uh fifteen clear at the top now. And I think Hearts have got eight games left. A few of the teams around them have got games in hand, so they've got significantly more games to play. But I think uh, I think that win over kind of one of their main rivals, and um, they've got eight at Tynecastle next week. Which, no offence, Jack, you would have to fancy Hearts for another three points in that. I think you'd have um, to. I I think that's that's probably any any doubts that any team kind of had a chance of catching Hearts probably put to bed now. Fifteen points, I think, is just too clear. And as we've seen with the rest of the teams, everybody seems to be taking points off each other. So I'm not sure anybody will be able to maintain a challenge to kind of catch hearts in the table. Uh, what else? Good win for Queen of the South, actually. A bit of a mental game, that. Our both were, 
were 2 0 up early doors after 22 minutes, and uh, Queen and South actually managed to get themselves back in front before half time. Um, three goals in the last 12 minutes of the first half, 33, 38, and 46 minutes. Um, and then they scored right at the start of the second half as well. So a 4 2 win for them at Gayfield, which they must be up in the playoffs now, actually. They? Yeah, they're fourth. Ah, they were, four, they were fourth uh, going joint, into it, I think. Joint third. Yeah, they would be because Dundee lost. Um, I think Dundee have still oh, got no. two games in hand, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Dundee have got two games in hand over Queens. Uh, yeah, to be fair, it's hard. The table's quite misleading because, as I say, so many so teams have games in hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very tight, though. But yeah, good win for them at, at Gayfield. And. Uh, snaps Arbroath's unbeaten run because um, Arbroath had, had picked up a, a decent run of form recently mm-hmm. um, but snapped by the Doonhamers. Um, what else? Aloha picked up another point at home. Um, I suppose it's maybe a good point against a team like Inverness but you know, they're, they're kind of five points of drifting out at the bottom. Morton and Ayr all have games in hand over them so I do think this is Aloha's Aloha's year to drop into League One which you will not see me complaining about. <laughs> And two uh, 0 to air, Jack. Aye, I just just forget it was a it was a boy in his Cameron that scored again for Alloa. He's kind of been in really decent form since he joined the Wasps, and I think should Kelly drop in, I think you could probably see him drop into the Championship from from the Premiership. I think you could see in his Cameron getting a more extended run in the team at Kelly because he's proved he's kind of more than capable at Championship level this at season. This level, yeah. In a relatively iffy team, Aloha, they don't really create too many chances, so you would imagine that the service that he's been getting probably isn't tip-top, and he's still managing to kind of be quite effective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 2-0 to air. Uh, a bit surprised, to be honest, because I just kind of went into this one expecting the worst after after kind of seeing the last few performances where we've just been completely flat, uninspired, and just nowhere near where we really need to be. Against the Morton team as well, who had just kind of come into it with decent performances against Hearts and Dundee as well. So, you know, they probably had the, kind of all the momentum. Aye, absolutely. Uh, had scored in, I think, three. Lost to Hearts and Vanessa and Arbroath, is that right? That's, yeah, that's correct. Aye, so the last thing we'd scored was in the, the 4-1 at home to yeah, Alloa. And then... Alloa, aye. Aye, three, three games without a goal. But, again, it was kind of say the same story. There was just, we did nothing for the first... Well, actually, I tell a lie, because it's different. It was it was different. We did kind of nothing for the first half an hour, thirty five minutes, but then kind of came into it towards the end of the half and had a bit more of a go at it. Where we've kind of had a decent start in the last couple of games, gone behind, and then have kind of had to force our way back into it, if at all. So it, it was, I I was more worried because we hadn't got that good start. We were just kind of camped behind the ball a lot of the time, but then slowly and surely started to get back into it and start probably had a bit more of momentum come the come to start the second half, and then obviously within three minutes of the half starting, uh, Cammy Smith got the opening goal, a nice finish from him. Uh, oh, no, I tell, tell I it wasn't three minutes, it was 15 minutes in. I, d- I don't know where I got that from, but... I 55 minutes. I 50 minutes in the second half, I get the opening goal. Decent finish, to be honest, uh, past uh, Queen, the Morton keeper, whose name is McAd- McAdams. Aidan McAdams, I think. Aidan McAdams. Uh, Moffat come on and looked uh, looked quite sharp, looked quite influential, but then again, air fell away a bit, and we were, it was again bodies behind the ball, defending resolutely, and then it was a quick break, some nice work from Moffat McCowan. Uh, Moffat set up Cammy Smith again and just blasted it past McAdams for the second, just with a few minutes to go. So, 
a much needed win, I would say, because yeah, you look at our yeah. next four, we play Wraith twice, Hearts and Dundee. Mm-hmm. So it's not an easy run. Wraith just before you tomorrow wrap night, up suppose, the kind yeah. of, just before you kind of wrap up the Scottish um Scottish kind of talk, I'll ask you about the new manager, Jim McIntyre, apparently is is, is uh, where a lot of the money is going. Yeah. According to the bookmakers this morning, um since the market reopened. Um obviously Cammy Smith scored two, Mr. McGuigan. Uh, was tipping him up as being a star striker. Would you be interested in Sean McGuigan becoming the new manager of Air United? I mean, look, that, that was a very Mark Kerr team that he put together. Uh, the only the only difference being the fact that he actually played Mark Kerr. Yeah, he re-signed Mark <laughs> Kerr. re-signed Mark Kerr. <laughs> uh, I, I, mean, I mean, he, was, he had a fair, fair bit like, of sense to make, especially considering how the game panned out. I think what Mr McGuigan had said was that if you play Michael Moffat in a team, he will get his other striker goals. He came off the bench and assisted Cammy Smith for the yeah. second, who he had deployed up front, but it was Mark McKenzie who had started for air. So, there, there might be something in that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to feel about Jim McIntyre, because you've, you've seen both sides of you've seen both sides of him recently. I mean, he won the Scottish Cup with Ross County in 2016, but then had the worst win percentage of any manager in Dundee's history. In his last job, and he gets sacked. I, I, I saw a tweet that said uh, Jim McIntyre saw uh, saw more in Martin Woods than than Glenn Kamara when he was at Dundee. It was it's not a good yeah, sign. Yeah, he was at Dundee. It's really um, not a good sign, so, that yeah, is it? Clearly, clearly doesn't doesn't know a good player when he sees one. Wait, <laughs> 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 if he gets results, I don't care. Like, I, I'm on, I'm honestly not bothered either way about who comes in. Because we just need somebody to save, steady the ship and make sure we don't go down because that's the main aim at the, for the rest of the season is just making sure we don't get dragged in to any sort of relegation battle. Because realistically we might already be there, but as long as we get steadied. Perhaps. But it doesn't take much to get away from that. And just to wrap up, Jim McIntyre is the one to three on favourite, which is obviously a dramatic change from when the markets kind of first opened where the, the shortest kind of guy was, was 4-1 to one against. So a lot of money for Jim McIntyre. Um, which looks like he he may well be the new manager of Air United. Not not the boy that was barking on Twitter after leaving an eighth tier English side. And and uh, say, what Christ I what was his name? Curtis Woodhouse. Curtis Woodhouse. Aye. He's uh-huh. twenty five to one, so his his application perhaps wasn't particularly well received. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Uh, aye, that is going to wrap up this week's edition of Tune the Football. Uh, we're going to have a look down south where Strun is going to be actually happy to talk about English football for once. Uh, we'll be back with English Entertainment. So English Entertainment is, of course, our weekly look into the biggest news of the Premier League. And there were a couple of interesting results to get through, so what better place to start than with Struan Garvey, who's got something to smile about today, don't you, mate? Yeah, Man United beat Man City, which is not at all what I was expecting. And it was a fantastic performance for Manchester United. Again, it really was. I was against the top six team, which again I was not exactly expecting given five nil nils against the top six this season so far. Or at least yeah five. Just really fun, a, really fun games it's been. It really has been in that um I that, that was Man City a twenty one game winning streak ended yesterday as well and yeah, I think it's a really big result. I mean, it means absolutely nothing for the long term in the table. I mean, Man City are winning the title; they're still eleven points clear. But just for just for the progress, and I think for for Solskjaer more than anyone, I think this is a, a huge result. No, absolutely. I think 
it kind of started. I, I was almost expecting just another, another, another iteration of the game that we actually saw in December. I think it was during when we were sitting. I think we wa- we watched it. Kind of, we both had the game we on and we were sitting speaking about it, weren't we? Yeah, I think we were on PlayStation at the time. Is it the nil nil that just ended nil nil? It was a horrendous game. <laughs> but De Gea, De Bruyne, De Arby, that one. <laughs> that was the one Martin Tyler was genuinely making up the most stupid commentary lines because he had nothing else to talk about. Nothing happened. Man City played two holding midfielders. I don't think that's ever happened under Pep Guardiola. But... Oh, you're right enough. But I, I, I was kind of going at this game with the same kind of expectation, almost like oh, I'll stick it on because it's there. But I, I'm not expecting much. But then, thirty seconds in. Uh, Gabriel Jesus clips uh, Martial in the box and then Bruno Fernandes steps up and scores his second goal against the top six this season in the league in the, in the league yeah I've had that in the league uh, so <laughs> what, what, was your, what was your reaction when I mean it took a minute for Man United to go 1-0 up I was I was honestly stunned. I, I I'd said at the start of it, you know, I'm sick of these nil nils. But then at the same time, I'd snap your hand off for Man United to get another nil nil in this game. I think I might have said that on the on the fantasy ramble. But I just I just couldn't believe it. And honestly, I thought it was saved the way how Ederson got a touch. And you know, when it's like a good hand from the keeper and you yeah. can hear it, I just I just got sank. You know, at that point, it was just. But then obviously it did go in, and it was it was just it was just the perfect start because that's that's what Man United have lacked in these games against the big six. These amount of nil nils that they haven't taken their chances. And straight off the bat, they were able to get to a game to get a goal, and I thought they were good. I thought Fred McTominay were pretty poor, which is rare for me to say about McTominay. But I think they just they they can't hold on to the ball as well. You know, you know, I think I think McTominay is let down by his range of passing, and I think Fred is just let down by his just wastefulness in possession. I thought the back four were excellent, especially Luke Shaw, and it looked good. You know, I was really worried at the start of the game with no Cavani and no Fogba in the team. I thought they would be massive losses. I'm not too fussed about the hair not being there over Henderson. And Henderson ended up playing a really big part, especially with the second goal. Martial was excellent, even though he didn't actually get a goal himself. And yeah, it was just a really good performance all round, especially given a, a, the worst performance I've seen Man United play in a long time against Crystal Palace midweek mm. to then just go and beat the best team arguably in Europe at the moment in Man City. It was, was huge for them. You put out a tweet, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I have deleted it about Luke Shaw. <laughs> I, 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 I was about to ask you, I saw that last night and I just kind of thought to myself, are you sure about that one? At the moment, I think there is a case that he is the best left-back in Europe at the moment on current form. Obviously, Robertson, Alfonso Davies, Martin... Barna Barisic. Yeah, Barna Barisic, Jordi Alba, Josh Doig, all of these players you could probably say you know, are better left back. But on current form, I think Luke Shaw has just been phenomenal in 2021. And he scored a great goal. Like, of all people, he, he came on really nice basically, wasn't yeah, he made it with the run. It could have had two, actually. He had a shot on his right foot that Ederson saved. The throw from Henderson, I think, is really good. I don't think, I think if that's De Gea, that goal doesn't happen because I don't think De Gea has that sort of distribution in him to pick Shaw out to then go on that run and then lead back from Rashford. So, yeah, it was just a really good performance all around, and I think Oli again getting a win over Man City is is really good. You know, he has a positive record against Guardiola, and I think with the big Europa League game coming up, hopefully this will give the team confidence going into that. As for Man City, I don't think they'll be too. Obviously, it's horrible losing a derby, but I think they'll if you just take a step back, they'll see the league table, they'll see the Champions League, the FA Cup. You know, they can still have a, a fantastic season, and I'm sure they will have. Was anyone else just more frustrated that? No, they didn't keep a clean sheet for fantasy. 
Very much so. Captain Ruben Diaz. A captain. A captain Ederson. A captain Ederson, didn't we? That part wasn't fun, but... Good for Man United. Cancelo during the game. Yeah, he did do that. And I had one Bissaka on my bench. <laughs> so, wait, did I? Unless I left him in stupidly, but... Yeah, I left Luke Shaw on my bench and put Robertson in. So, um, I'm not very happy with Liverpool right now. Um, I think a lot of people benched Fernandez as well for this game week. I also benched Ola Aina, and we're about to get on to talking about him and his team. That's annoying. Anyway... Uh, Jamie, how have you done? Because this is... Oh, good, I'm still ahead of you, that's fine. Anyway, uh, moving on, because Liverpool lost again at Anfield. So that's six games in a row at Anfield that they've lost. Last week when they lost to Chelsea, that was five games in a row. That was the first time that had ever happened. And they've extended that. Now, just just while, just while we're talking about this game, Cameron, our good friend, good friend Cameron Wanstall, he, he dropped a tweet into the group chat and it made it made a very interesting start from uh, Duncan Alexander. Uh, Liverpool are the latest team to have lost six plus home games in a row. Now I'm just going to read read off some of the names that preceded Liverpool in doing this: Aston Villa, Bolton, Crystal Palace, Derby, obviously from that one season, Huddersfield, QPR, Sunderland, Swindon Town, Wigan, and Wolves. That's not good, is it? That's relegation form. It's <laughs> relegation form, he says. Uh, Jamie, you posed an interesting question about this in, a, in, our, in our Facebook group chat. At what point does it clop out? It's not just now. No, I do agree it's not just now. Never. I would, I would like to reiterate that I'm not asking for Jurgen Klopp to be sacked <laughs> just before Sean McGill starts crying his eyes out and shouting. <laughs> Um, uh, I think there's just something that's clearly amiss at Liverpool just now and obviously Jurgen Klopp is a manager and therefore he kind of carries the can if you like um, to all the kind of questions and all the blame if you like usually would lie at the manager's door yes there are a hell of a lot of excuses if you want to call them excuses for Liverpool this season and they've had a lot of injuries to key players as well not just you know, third choice goalkeeper or that to you know to main main players, and I think even guys like Alexander Arnold, for example, haven't really performed to the same level as as last season. And I accept that that would have been very difficult for for him to do so to to kind of play at the same consistent level that he did last season. But um, yeah, that's that's not happened. And as we know, Liverpool's fullbacks are are key to to their kind of attacking. Uh, attacking qualities um, but it's just, it's just not happened for Liverpool this season so you know whether you blame Jurgen Klopp whether you blame the players whether you just kind of write off the season and say oh we just didn't we were doomed from the start when Pickford assaulted Van Dijk and whatever <laughs> it's, you know it's up to you but I don't know I, I think he's, he's not he's not on a sugary peg but no he's not you know, you do wonder how long if this continues because obviously it just comes into a psychological thing of Liverpool at home. They go out onto Anfield and they think like, oh Christ, we need to win this one and maybe they lose again. I don't know what their home fixtures are like, but, you know, 
I don't know. Certainly something's not right, though. And ultimately, as I say, Klopp's a manager, and therefore he kind of carries the can. But again, Fulham, fantastic, weren't they? Just the fact that they could end up staying up, considering uh, both Brighton and Newcastle drop points again. It's. I mean, yeah. we, we talked about it, but it's it seems increasingly likely that it's going to be the case. I think they deserve to as well. You know, Brighton can't score a goal. Newcastle are absolutely humpty. And Fulham look, <laughs> Fulham look quite good, to be fair. I've been really, I've been really impressed with Fulham. Um, I think the at the start of the season, they did look a bit dodgy, but I think they, they play nice football and they've got some very exciting players, particularly in attack. And I think a lot of the time I've kind of criticised the defence and said, well, sometimes they, they are a bit easy to play against because maybe they're, they're not quite so clinical maybe as other teams in the league um, in the final third and then sometimes they give a sloppy goal away but I do think Fulham deserve to stay up I, I do think I've seen enough from them to s- suggest that I would I would much rather have them in the Premier League next season over somebody like Newcastle or, or Brighton for example and as you say I think it's looking increasingly likely I think that I put in my uh, uh, predictions for the Premier League that I think I had Fulham finish 17th or yeah 17th so just escaping that I think I don't know who I had to go down. I probably had like Aston Villa in there somewhere, but my prediction was that the film wouldn't get relegated, and I'm sticking by that. I mean, it's, it, as we've said, it was looking increasingly more likely. Uh, something else that's been kind of increasing is I mean, Gareth Bale's form. Uh, he's, he was fantastic again as uh, Spurs defeated Palace 4 1. Him and Harry Kane kind of having that sort of link up that Kane and Son had been used to, but. Bale decided he wanted a piece of that and got himself right involved. Uh, what do we reckon? Because it's an interesting one with Gareth Bale because he's done very well uh, kind of in the last few weeks. So do you reckon if he continues in this form, Spurs could exercise a right to outright purchase him from, from Real Madrid? Or do you think that Real Madrid could still demand a pretty high fee and Spurs might not be willing to lump it up? I think if Bale is really good he'll be back at Real Madrid I don't think Real Madrid will, will let a player like Bale go if he does I know he's a bit older now but he'll be 32 this summer but when you look at that front three of Real Madrid at the moment it is very much weaker than it, than it really could be you know Asensio's been pretty bad this season like Vinicius Junior Rodrigo very young Hazard's not been at it so I think if Gareth Bale does show that sort of form and consistency I think regardless of what um, Spurs want Real Madrid will definitely take him back I, I, it could literally just come down to Gareth Bale and whether mm. he does need that change to, to stay away from Real Madrid and get back into Tottenham because I think he I think a lot of people called him a flop this season because it has taken him quite a while to get back to his best that we've what we've seen in recent weeks and I guess it just it's all down to him and whether or not he can keep that form up towards the end of the season because I'm sure any player at the moment would still choose Real Madrid over Tottenham if, if they did come asking for him back. Do we think he does keep this form up? Mm. Nah, he's a hot and cold player now. I'd I'd be inclined to agree to be honest. I think it was pretty hot and cold. So, I think the whole team are are hot and cold. Yeah, this season, you know, at, at the start of the year, Jose was back. Tottenham were going to win a league. It was going to be incredible. <laughs> and then Jose was a flop. He was finished. The uh, Son and Kane were carrying them. And then once again, they're Deli Ali and um, Gareth Bale are back to playing well again. And it just it's just sort of a roller coaster at the moment. And I think, you know, on the one hand. They could they could win the Europa League. They could finish top four, win the League Cup, and then on the other hand, they could crash out of all of those competitions. Time will tell, I suppose. 
Uh, there wasn't off, there wasn't an awful lot to talk about in England this weekend. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to wrap up English entertainment now and head into last its challenge. We will have a look around the bigger leagues in Europe and have a look ahead to this week's Champions League matches. <laughs> This is Last Ditch Challenge where we try to catch all of the biggest stories from around the continent before they pass us by. We'll head over to Germany first, but we've not got our usual German correspondent, uh, Graham Sinclair, to chat about us with this one. So, anyone want to let to talk about Germany at all? Struan, you saw Der Klasker actually, didn't you? Yeah, I saw Der Klasker. Um, I believe it was on at the same time as uh, Wolves Aston Villa, which was, uh, was a nil-nil. Oh, I think you picked the correct game. I think I did pick the correct game. Um, yeah, got off to the best start. I think Holland scored 98 seconds or, or something crazy like that into it. And then he scored again. It probably could have had a hat-trick, but they, they, they messed up the pass. And then Bayern just sort of resumed their dominance. You know, <laughs> Dortmund looked absolutely knackered around the 70th minute because of how much work Bayern were making them do. But at the same time, it never looked certain because any time Dortmund went on the counter-attack, the Bayern defence just didn't look strong and stable enough but then I think Holland went off around 65 minutes I think to preserve him for their game against Sevilla in the Champions League and then Royce came off later and Thorgan Hazard and it just sort of it just became inevitable that uh, Bayern Munich would get the winner and then Goretzka scored a really nice goal to make it 3-2 and then Lewandowski completed his hat-trick and it was just sort of one of those where at first though Holland was gonna was gonna beat Lewandowski and then Lewandowski just sort of made a statement of I'm you know I'm the best striker in the world and then Patrick in one of the biggest games and I think it was also significant because Leipzig had actually moved ahead of Bayern just before kickoff, so Bayern mm. needed to get something and then the fact that they fell 2-0 down so quickly I think was a massive show of character of them to, to get back and win that one comfortably in the end really It was just again another showing where every, everyone that ever had a question about Erling Haaland, because you kind of saw both sides of him in that game, you saw a, re- a really good, kind of two different types of goals again that he scored so continues to go from strength to strength and I suppose it'll be really interesting to see how he kind of carries that on into Tuesday night's match uh, Taylor moving to Italy uh, another two big results for Juventus and AC Milan, Juventus beating Lazio and AC Milan winning away at Hellas Verona can it then, the buck falls to Inter Milan tonight in what could be a really interesting match as they are taking on Atalanta at home, how do you do you, th- do you think they'll get the win and extend their run at the top, or do you think they'll kind of potentially stumble because Atalanta are now pushing to get back into the top four at the expense of Roma? Uh, I, I, I can see Inter Milan, you know, winning this one. You know, keeping that you know challenge up for winning the league, especially AC Milan winning at the weekend. But it's very interesting to see the Milan comes back at the top, and it's really good to see back where they belong, especially the powerhouse of Juventus has been dominating the league for like a number of years and so it's been good to see you know it's become instead a one horse race and then eight, all of a sudden a three horse race but I can Atalanta they're a team that are just we've seen in the Champions League they, they can attack you know they just go you know base at a central balls to the wall everything chuck it but I don't know I feel like they've died down in the last couple of months I've I've not been keeping a close eye on them, but when I have, you know, they've not been getting the results that were expected, and uh, it's just one of the ones where it's like they've now become, a, you know, a team I would associate with being 
mid-table, you know, the occasional push for you, maybe a European spot, which I think they're sitting in right now. So it's got to be a very interesting game, I would say, especially, you know, you know, one team chasing the title, one team wanting European football and probably chasing that top four. So it's they've got a lot to play for. And, you know, when something's on the line, that's where you get a good game of football. No, absolutely. Uh, definitely going to be one to keep an eye out for. Uh, Jamie, over to Spain. Uh, Atletico Madrid's lead at the top of La Liga was cut to only three points as Karim Benzema's late goal and the derby cancelled out Suarez's opener as the game finished one all. It's, it's been a big claim from a certain someone at Energy Sport that Atletico Madrid have been the best team in Europe this season. And after that claim, they've kind of seemed to fall away a little bit. Uh, losing to Chelsea in the first leg of their Champions League tie and kind of having the gap between themselves and the teams below them in the league closed fairly significantly. I think they were at 10 points or something at the start of the year. Now it's just three. So... How how do we see them kind of closing out the season? Do we think they've got the kind of bottle? Do we think they've got that mentality to seal another league title for themselves? Or could we potentially see a Barcelona kind of breaking into the conversation all of a sudden, only two, only one win away from levelling on points? Yeah, I mean, there's still about 12 or 13 games to go. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't say I watch an awful lot of Spanish football, to be fair. I didn't watch this game. But it's certainly been interesting to see Atletico Madrid at the top of the league. Um, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid haven't really been great this season. and So I don't really think Atletico Madrid are going to get a better opportunity to, to go and win La Liga than, uh, than mm. they've got this season. Um, they need to be careful that their season doesn't suddenly kind of peter out. Um, had very good kind of prospects, obviously, winning the league and then... Uh, playing against a Chelsea team that are maybe a little uh, still on the development stage, shall we say. Um, as you say, lost the first leg, got a very tough task now at Stamford Bridge and obviously kind of starting to kind of struggle domestically as well. So they need to be careful um, that they don't kind of end up with nothing. Um, you know, they've only lost two games this season. They've got a game in hand, which I think they play the, uh, midweek against Bilbao, um, who have obviously just been playing in the Copa del Rey uh, I believe um, against uh, was it Levante or something I think it was wasn't it mm-hmm. um, so yeah they need to be careful but it should be interesting uh, interesting title race over over in Spain and just to close out the show we have the return of the Champions League this week of course with the second leg of the round of 16 the first batch of those fixtures being played out Tuesday and Wednesday uh, tomorrow night I think Oh, the, the, you can go either way tomorrow night I think lads because Dortmund are hosting Sevilla, and that was a 3-2 the last time out. A really interesting game. And there's only one goal in that, and Sevilla are not known for sitting back whatsoever. So how, 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 are, we, how are we leaning towards that? Because you've got that, but at the same time, you've got a must-win game for Juventus at home to Porto after losing the first leg 2-1. Juventus should be interesting. I'm quite looking forward to that one. I think Dortmund will have enough to get past Sevilla. Um, thought they were very impressive away from home. Uh, different to see how Sevilla set up in the second leg um, the Spanish teams you know you say they're I think the Spanish teams I thought are kind of usually a bit more I thought they were a bit more conservative to be honest mm. um, but maybe not I wouldn't I wouldn't really know compared to the Germans anyway um, I think Dortmund only really know how to play kind of one style I think Sevilla will probably score um, but I think Dortmund probably will as well so I think Dortmund will, will probably 
just have enough to get past, but I fancy goals in that one. As for Juventus, yeah, that that I think that's just going to be Porto sitting sitting back and trying to protect their lead. Um, but I do think Porto probably need to get an away goal as well to have any chance of going through because I do think Juventus will win that game. I think I I I'm I'm torn whether to just watch the game that probably could be thrown up in the air a bit more in Juventus or do I just want to watch goals because Dor- Dortmund scored a lot but they concede a lot and that's kind of the uh, moniker they've kind of followed this season so I don't think it'll be any different tomorrow night uh, Struan, what, what about yourself because obviously you'll be back in your man Cristiano to to get the to source a win from nowhere I suppose and, and my road to the final Kunde on FIFA 21 oh, Jesus. for Sevilla but uh, I, I think once again it's the two better games are on the same night in the Champions League because I think Leipzig Liverpool and PSG Barcelona on the Wednesday are, I'll still watch them but I think those games are pretty much decided I, I can't see them getting overturned and I think Tuesday's games will be entertaining I think I'm going to watch Dortmund Sevilla though because I watched the first leg of that and it was it was brilliant to yeah, be same. honest and again I don't think there's any way Dortmund can afford to sit back I know they got three away goals so Sevilla needs to score at least two here but at the same time I don't think they they can sit back and defend the lead especially at the weekend when we saw with Bayern and there's also going to be questions over Sancho and Holland's fitness which will be massive for them coming into this one definitely uh, Taylor, looking at Thursday, uh, Leipzig are travelling to Liverpool. Uh, they were down 2-0 in the fir- as of the first leg, but Liverpool have not been doing well at Anfield. So, I mean, could you see them? Can I get? Could you see Leipzig getting a result considering how good they've been this season? Uh, no, I, I actually don't see that game happening because it's on a Wednesday. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to point you out because you did. Oh, did I say Tuesday? Oh, my mistake. Oh. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, first, uh, oh uh, bloody hell, I'm all over the place. You, don't worry, I know you'd have done it to me, so it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Uh, but no, Liverpool at home, we spoke about it earlier in the podcast. This is a disaster class waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be one of those ones where Liverpool absolutely get hammered, or, you know, it's Europe and, you know, uh, Champions League, Liverpool, you know, produce magic moments there. So, I, uh, I'm just going to go in recent form. I'm just going to go with a sensible head. It's tightly screwed on and say that Leipzig are going to win this. They're going to overturn that deficit of 2-0 and probably get a draw, take it to extra time and, you know, we, we might, oh, I'm teasing it, we might get a wee bit of the penalties. Whoa. As much as we would all love that. But, uh, yeah, I can see Liverpool, you know, just being absolutely woeful again. And even though they've got Jota back and... It looks like they've got Fabinho and all that. I still, that confidence is shot, and Leipzig are sitting second in the Bundesliga and look to be, you know, building on success. Hopefully, I'd like to think so. Uh, and the final match in the Champions League this weekend, this week, this weekend, Jesus, uh, this week is of course PSG Barca. PSG and Mbappe tearing Barca to shreds at the new Camp a couple of weeks back, sitting ahead in the tie four one. It looks as though Barca are down and out and there's no way back. But we said that a few years ago at the exact same stage. Uh, you might want to keep an eye on Energy Sport for a wee, for a wee uh, preview of that game and a wee look back at the um, at what is now known as La Remontada. Uh, the comeback uh, written by a certain podcast host and it's not Sean McGill. Uh, just getting the self-plug in early days. But it's going to be a really good game, really interesting game. Uh even if Barca don't win, I think it's going to be goals in it regardless, so I think it's definitely worth your time watching. Plus, it's two high-profile teams, and it's Messi versus Mbappe, so you're not going to want to miss it. 
Uh, that is going to be all from us this week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Football Roundup. Be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter to keep up to date with all of our sports content. Thank you very much to Struan, Jamie and Taylor for joining me today. Make sure to check out Extra Time in the Fantasy Ramble later in the week. We've also got our monthly quiz for March coming out in the next couple of days, so make sure to tune in to see who wins that out of the usual lot of us. Uh, until we until we see you next, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>